Hello, I'm Lucas Samuel, and I am a health profession pipeline coordinator, and I'm with a Health Forward AmeriCorps program hosted under Health360. Healthy Minds Alliance is an innovative AmeriCorps program managed by Health360 that engages AmeriCorps members of all ages and backgrounds to meet critical mental health needs in communities served by their host sites. AmeriCorps members serving with the Healthy Minds Alliance receive a stipend during their 10-month service term and upon completion of their service term receive an education award which can be used to repay qualified student loans and to pay current educational expenses at eligible institutions of higher education and training programs. If you're interested in becoming an AmeriCorps member or would like information on how your organization could become a host site, please see our show notes for information on how to apply. Welcome, current, former, future AmeriCorps service members. My name is Michael, and I will be your host for today's Healthy Minds Alliance podcast, and I'm also a currently serving AmeriCorps member. Joining me today is Lucas. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. How's it going, Michael? I'm doing very, very well, uh, actually. Things are good. Last year was a great year for me. It ended on a high note. 2024 has been great so far, personally and professionally. So I'm doing great. I hope you are doing well as well. Yeah, I'm feeling good too. 2024 is a new year, a new start. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. So again, so this is like getting close to our 30th episode. So I imagine most people that are listening have listened before. If not, this is your first time. Welcome. Uh, what we try to do here is to sort of highlight some of the things that AmeriCorps members are doing, specifically those that work within the Health360 umbrella. And that's what Lucas is here today to do. So let's just start by learning a little bit more about Lucas. Just tell me a little bit more about yourself, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with strange people on the internet, but it can be (laughs) professional stuff, personal stuff, whatever you want to cover with us. So tell me a little bit about yourself, please. I'm from Danbury, Connecticut. I love it here. That's why I'm back. I love the Danbury community. It's something that means a lot to me. I'm really big into dancing. I didn't uh, major in dancing in college or anything, but I did I did get involved in a lot of dancing opportunities at college. I studied psychology and theater, um, double majored at Hobart and William Smith Colleges up in sta- upstate New York. I, I just love helping the youth. That's fantastic. So, so usually the next question, which this leads into very easily, is is then what brought you into AmeriCorps slash Health three hundred and sixty? So you mentioned you like helping people, specifically like mm-hmm. helping you. So I'm guessing that's probably how it happened. But tell me about that. How did you transition from graduated college double major to now working at Health three hundred and sixty or serving with Health three hundred and sixty? Yeah. So when I was a senior in college, I was writing big paper. You know, the, my last couple weeks and as I was writing this paper, I was thinking everybody else is trying to get a job and I should be doing the same. But I thought to myself, well, I don't have too much time to dedicate to that. And I had a feeling and I, I actually knew that something would work out that was right for me. And to most people that probably sounded crazy, but to me, I I just knew it would work out. And it actually fell into my lap in a way. I, I got introduced to someone in the Geneva area, which is where my college is. And they said, you know, there's this opportunity to be like a guidance counselor in a way, and it's related to AmeriCorps. And I kind of 
I said, you know, that would be amazing. That sounds like exactly what I would want to do. I loved Geneva, but I really wanted to be in Danbury after I, I graduated and work with the youth there in some capacity. So I really, as much as I wanted to be in Geneva and do that, I was I had this dream of going back home. And as I was going through the process for that program, Andrew, uh, my supervisor here at Health360, he reached out to me and said, hey, I see you're from the Danbury area. And we have this, this program and this opportunity to serve. And I was like, no way. This is what I've been looking for. I just didn't know it existed, right? Right. So um, had a couple calls with him. Sounded exactly like what I wanted. And um, it all worked out. Fantastic. Again, I love that... Uh you know, the, the attitude that it, it will work out. Um, and I'm very happy that it did for you. So how long have you been serving? So you're in your first term. How how long have you been in your service term? Yeah, so we were trained over the summer and um, we've been working through the school year. And I believe I finished in July, around July. Okay, okay. So you're a little over halfway then. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what it is you do. Cause like, uh, like for me, I, I work under the healthy minds Alliance sort of sub umbrella of health 360 and mm -hmm. I serve at a school, which is a K through 12 Montessori school. Uh, but then I also do like the youth mental health first aid trainings as part of my service. I also even do this podcast as part of my service. Uh, so you are actually serving at health 360 at, at the organization level, right? Well, I'm serving with AmeriCorps of course, yeah. but I'm going into schools also. Okay. Oh, I'm okay. serving schools similarly to you. Okay. Okay. Great. I, I misunderstood that. So thank you for clarifying. So then tell me a little bit about what does your service look like? Like on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, what are you doing? Yeah. So I teach students about different health professions and the paths to, they can take to get there. I tell them about the salaries. I tell them about the years it takes to get to be in those professions. And I give them an understanding of health as a whole and um, the different opportunities to help their own communities. And I've, I go bi-weekly and I switch on and off with two other members to Danbury High School, John F. Kennedy High School, and Willby High School. And I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yes, yeah, so this is, I've not talked to anyone yet who's done this specific sort of thing. So this is all new to me. Uh, so you mentioned that you go into these different schools. I, th I thought I heard you say something about the age, but I'm not sure. So is it just high school? Is it all ages? Like what, what age groups are you working with? Yeah, so there's actually the members beside me. They actually go into some, uh, some colleges too. There's one that one of them goes into a college and they do Collegiate Health Service Corps, which is a very similar program, a little... Um, more advanced, but sure. gets those college students ready uh, for, you know, a med school or gets them interested in different careers and knowing what they might want to do when they go to med school and stuff like that. So another thing is there's a program called DHATS that I work with, Diversifying Healthcare Achievement Through Service. And so we work with UVMs, uh, we serve some UVM students and they serve us in a way because they mentor the students that I go into the class with. So as oh. I, one of my uh, parts of service is getting those students in um, to go into volunteer service, they also are volunteering with them. And the DHATs 
UVM students, those med students are learning and they are mentoring those, those youth. So it, they're, they're great. They're some of the most, the most focused and driven individuals I know. And I think they're really making a difference in influencing and, and those, those students and wanting to be something similar, you know, being a doctor or being a chiropractor, whatever it is that, that they go towards. So I, again, I, I don't know anything about the area that you're at other than what you've told me about it. So is it like the same group of students or is there a student body that like one week when you're there, you're talking to a certain grade level and then a different grade level, or does it just like you, it kind of builds on itself that you tell them some things one time and then some other things the next time, how does that actually work logistically? Yeah. So, um, when I go in some classes are, um, higher level classes mm-hmm. in a sense where they, they're juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes we have a mix of, uh, sophomores. And so it all depends on the class. But there's a lot of different professions that I cover and a lot of different topics that I cover. It goes any, anywhere from leadership skills to communication with patients. Um, I talk about, you know, people have dementia and that may be something you have to think about when you're, if you're a doctor, you're working in the health field. You may tell somebody something once, but they may not understand it, right? And you have to have a lot of empathy some people, uh, they have somatization, right? They, they have these physical symptoms from these uh, mental uh, like anxieties and, and such. So they may be sh- like going to doctors very regularly. And, you know, you have to be patient with all different types of people. Um, I talk about public health. One of uh, the parts of my job is doing public health ambassador uh, presentations Mm-hmm. So, um, though I go to those schools on the regular, I go to some other schools in the area and I teach them about preventing illness and disease and disaster rather than, you know, trying to mitigate the problems once they arise. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, all that ounce of prevention, pound of cure situation. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, public health, I think is really important for these students to hear about because, um, it's, I don't think it's as mentioned sometimes as it should be. It's like every part of our life has to do with public health, from our food security to our um, health literacy, like understanding um, anything from like our health coverage and the healthcare system itself to being economically stable and how that works within the health field. I mean, from, and I, I could go on and on, but like tobacco usage, that's, that's a big problem. Our own nutrition. And if there's nobody to um, be out there letting people know about the issues and how to prevent them, they're going to keep happening and they're going to keep rising. So I, you know, I have two young boys myself, uh, mm-hmm. seventh grader and eighth grader. So my oldest will be going into high school next year. Uh, we live in Southeast Kentucky, which has its benefits and its uh, drawbacks. Uh, okay. But vaping is definitely something like my kids aren't actively doing that, but I'm, I'm, they know people, they have friends that are. Uh, I imagine that's, is that something that you see a lot of in your schools is, is like vaping now taking over from like tobacco is like the, the thing to do, I guess? Yeah, um, it's so 
I'm very glad that you asked that question specifically because um, that's what I was writing my paper about. Um, oh, okay. I was writing it about how um, how over the years, cigarettes have turned to vapes, right? Mm -hmm. Students are vaping instead of smoking cigarettes at a higher rate. And we don't know the effects of that, of course. But in the past, there has been research talking about how if a mother smokes versus a father smokes, how that affects whether the children would smoke. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I realized, I hope that somebody lets me know if um, I'm wrong, but there's not too much research on vaping in that, those aspects where mm -hmm. if the mother is a big drinker or the father is a big cigarette smoker or vice versa, how does that affect whether or not your child will vape? And I think that's really important to look at in the future years and right now. So I kind of designed a research study that would kind of look at that. Oh, that's very, very interesting. Uh, just to personally share about myself, I grew up in a home, both my parents smoked and my, my father drank. Mm -hmm. And I do neither of those things. I right. don't smoke and I don't drink partially because I like to say I had some really good examples of bad examples growing up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that just the, the thought of it, you know, the smell of it, just once I got to college, I would come home and just the smell of like cigarettes in the house is not something I had in college. And I, I just, it hit me so hard that I had gotten so used to that smell that it, I didn't even realize it was a thing until I came back after having been gone for a little while. You know, it's just my, my personal history and example with it. Now, would you, and again, you may or may not know, I know that more kids are vaping now than smoking. At least I think I know that. But are the numbers down still? Like, are there less people smoking and vaping than there used to be? Or is vaping actually ticking back up where more kids are doing that than they were before? Because I feel like I've heard somewhere that overall instances of, of vaping and smoking are still going down, but there's just more vape to cigarette now. Is that accurate? I can't say for sure. I think it also de depends on the the age range. Sure. I know when I went to, I went to England for a study abroad and... I saw a lot of young kids smoking cigarettes, right? And because here we can't, um, we as a country can't really market cigarettes the way we once did. But I believe that the um, in Europe, it's, it's a little bit different. Mm. And they, I think that they, I don't know if it ended sooner or if it's still going on, but I, I think that cigarettes are still being encouraged more and, it's something actually I should really look into. That's, that's still just wild. Like I, again, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm, you know, I'm uh, closer to 50 than to 45 these days. No way. <laughs> and um, like, I still remember candy cigarettes. It was, it was a candy that we used to have as like kids that basically looked like a little white sort of stick with a, with a red tip and like a brown. And so it, it looked like a cigarette and they were just like these little chewable candies that you would eat because smoking was just so ubiquitous. Everyone did yeah. it. That's wild to think of that now, you know? Yeah. Growing up, I believe when I was real, real young and playing soccer, I would go to get ice cream after the game at, from the ice cream truck. And I believe they had candy cigarettes. My parents never let me get them and I wasn't really <laughs> interested in them. Sure. But yeah, they're a terrible candy. They, did, they, they, did they not shouldn't exist it. anymore. And I hope, I really <laughs> hope that there's, there's no way little kids can, can go find those, but yeah. That's, that is, that's, that's really, wild. yeah. All right. So, um, so I love hearing this is what you're doing. 
Now, what is what is next for you? If you can talk about that, are you looking to serve again in another capacity, or are you tr- going to transition into a c- career profession out of this? Like, what are your thoughts come June, June, July, August, or June, July? Yeah, June, July, August. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. So I've realized that I I definitely like being in front of the youth, and I, I love speaking and giving them the resources that they need to make choices in their future. So a lot of people have told me that there's other opportunities uh, similar that I should look into. I don't plan on going directly into the health field as, you know, being a doctor of some sort, but I public health is something that I care deeply about. So Mm -hmm. maybe I'll go into there in some capacity. I also think that I may go get my master's. I get a stipend for uh, being an AmeriCorps member in this program. And I believe it's about $6,500. So I, I definitely will use that if it's not next year, it's it'll be probably sometime and I, I love learning. So it's always, it should be it should be great to go back to college sometime. I there, there was a time in my life where I thought about it, but I just no, I'm too old at this point. I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> So one thing I like to do for these shows is to give people an opportunity to kind of talk about some of the people they work with, maybe give some accolades or some thank yous. Uh, So you mentioned you have a couple partners and you also have your supervisor. Is there anybody within your organization or maybe even some of the schools that you work with that you just like to take a minute to like say thank you to or shout someone out? Yeah, I I have a couple people if that's okay. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. The director of uh, Health360, Trisha does a great job at organizing everything and making sure everybody's doing what they need to do. The whole nonprofit, it works very, very smooth, smoothly. And I know that there's a lot of things, not only on my end, but on my supervisors and Andrew that he needs to uh, be always looking over. So I'm so happy that I also have a good supervisor, Andrew, he really made this job smooth sailing so far. Of course, I work very hard and he works very hard. But if there's any time where, you know, I'm, I'm stressed in a way and I want to try to figure something out, he's he's very available. And I, I get to ask him my questions about my day-to-day tasks that, you know, mm-hmm. nobody else, you know, this this is not something where I can just go into in, down the street and ask a friend, you know? This is mm-hmm. specific to this job and he has all the answers. So I'm glad that he's <laughs> he's there to help me. Um, Nicola Marcella, I have two more people. Uh, Nicola Marcella, I hope they don't mind me shouting them out. They work beside me. They are also AmeriCorps members doing the same things. So mm-hmm. they're the ones going into the class when I'm not there. And they are extremely help, helpful and they have this, this drive that's really admirable. So. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you took that. Again, shout out as many people as you want. I love to hear about <laughs> that. Uh, something you said kind of brought up another line of question that I wanted to bring up is you mentioned, and this actually may have been something that, that got cut out, but you mentioned that you have a PowerPoint or a slideshow that you use when you're talking to these classes. Is that something you put together or is that provided to you by someone else or by the company? I was just wondering how much influence you had on the presentation versus mm-hmm. how much of it was just presenting what someone else had already put together. Yeah, so there's there's a a virtual program called Pathful. So it's a website. It used to be called Virtual Job Shadow, I believe. And 
they have different videos about the day-to-day in different health professions and a lot of other professions also. There's modules with different lessons on different topics. And I use those as a guide and I make sure that all of my students can can do some of those for homework and um, we can cover those and talk, chat about them in class when I see them after they look through it. And something I also do in my in my job is I talk to people from the community who are sonographers or, or um, phlebotomists, and I see if they can come in and talk mm. about their career. So the students, it, it's really important that the students understand how these professions work, because one day they may realize that that's what they've cared about all along, right? And mm -hmm. we always need more people in the health fields. And so Health360, they really are trying to help promote health equity in underserved communities. In, mm. And um, AHEC, which Health360 is a part of, they want to they want to develop this pipeline for future healthcare leaders. And that's, that's what I hope that I'm achieving when I go into these classes. So one of the things that we like to talk about too here, you know, again, the, the, there's some terminology for what we do. It's, you know, it's, it's serving, it's not a job. We get a stipend, not a paycheck, Absolutely. that type of thing. But there are benefits to us, uh, some professional, some personal. Have you got any, like, any specific moments, uh, elements, training, something that you feel like, you know, you're going to take away from this serving opportunity for the rest of your life? Has it helped you be a better presenter? Has it helped open your eyes to something? Is anything that you want to share that you're like, I'm so glad I got to do this because of this specific thing? Yeah. I realized that working with the youth, it's one thing to talk to them and hope that they listen, right? Mm -hmm. And and to try to get them engaged and make it fun. But it's another thing to realize that there's something very special about each of them that they they want to be seen right and i'm a very optimistic person i would say i've always thought you know these these youth they're they're the future they're going to do so well and they are and the best way to to help them get get to be learning and to is to invest in them too like when you're in the classroom being able to ask them like what, what do you care about in the new year? Like when, when I came in 2024, like what, what are you looking forward to do? And letting them be heard is just as important as you being heard because mm -hmm. they, they want to be believed in and I, I believe in them, but the, the teachers that teach them, they definitely believe in them. Those, the three that I go to, because they have a lot of questions and they have, they have a lot to say too. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, like, we obviously we hope and we want that to be the reality, but everybody's got everything. They got their own things going on, and even someone who does care may not be able to show it every day. They may not be able to live that every day. Uh, and yeah. just the way the world works, maybe the one day that some student needs support is the one day that that particular adult in their life isn't able to give it, uh, yeah. which is why I think we need these support structures in place with different people, different avenues, different organizations that can be those lifelines, those connections, those safety nets that if, if something happens and the person who's in the best position to give that care mm -hmm. just can't that day, that there's someone else there that can help pick up that slack. 
So again, you're a little over halfway. If I, my math is right, I'm not great at math, but I think so. A little over halfway through your service term. Um, if you could go back and tell Lucas something six, seven months ago about what you would be doing, what you would be experiencing, what advice or what tips would you have for yourself right before you started this position and this serving opportunity? To be overprepared. Um, okay. When I go into classes, if if I've done more than enough research which I, which I usually do, I feel very confident, right? If there's a day where I've done a lot of research and I feel good on the, um, on what I want to present, but I haven't said it out loud Mm. five, six, seven times when I'm, when I'm trying to explain it, you know, our minds, or at least my mind, it, it has a lot, lot to say sometimes, but the organization it's not, it's not a machine. We, we all think mm-hmm. that our minds should be machines, but they're really not. So um, just being super prepared helps, um, over-prepared. And then um, if you're unsure of anything, ask questions um, in, in anything. It's not bad to ask a question. It, it may be scary, but it's better to get the answer from somebody who can help you mm-hmm. than to to be afraid that somebody thinks, oh, you didn't hear it the first time or this or that. And then you make a mistake. That's, that's not good either. So. Yeah. And this is probably not the right avenue or, or a place for, for this particular discussion. But I will say that, uh, you know, again, at, at my age, I learned so much better by doing and figuring out what I did wrong. You know, like, like learning from failure. And I don't mean like big failures, you know, like I crashed my car to learn how to drive, but you know, trying a thing, (laughs) it didn't work out exactly the way I wanted. And then I tried again and I've, I've improved. And I feel like we've gotten to a place where people are so afraid to fail because they feel like they only get one time. Like if they don't do it right the first time, they will be irrevocably, you know, harmed or they won't be able to try again. I just, I would, and I, Maybe completely wrong, but that's my my viewpoint of it is that people are afraid to fail, and I think failure is actually a great way to learn. So I wish people were more comfortable asking questions. I mean, like I don't understand what you're saying, and not that seeing not seeing that as like a negative, like you aren't smart enough to keep up. Versus you need more, you need different. It's okay to ask questions and and not understand things the first time. Yes, and I I actually was thinking about the that the other day. That I think the problem is is that we all have these jobs or um or maybe we're we're doing an americorps service or we're doing we're in school and we're worried that it's going to affect us negatively and they and people are going to think certain things of us but if we even if it's not the person that um that is maybe above us in a type of power structure like it be a coach or something if we have somebody that we know de- definitely will get us the right answer and we can go to talk to about things, it's good to have those support systems in our lives mm-hmm. and get, get those second opinions sometimes. Yep. Because if we don't ask anybody, then then we're failing ourselves in a way before we even fail. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And then yeah. and then we're learning twice, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yes. We're learning twice. We're learning from the failure and we're learning that we should have asked so we didn't fail. Again, and I'll say that, you know, I still think that failure is a great teacher, but you don't always have to learn from your failure. That's where you ask someone else and like, hey, let me tell you about my experience. Oh, I yes. failed 
And now let me tell you what I learned. And so you can sometimes not have to make the same mistakes someone else made. So, and I've made some mistakes and I, I hope that, you know, um, I could tell somebody before they make the same mistakes and, and, um, anything educational wise or this or that. So it's, it's good. It's good to talk about mistakes sometimes too. People are afraid of that. I a hundred percent agree with that as well. Uh, well, Lucas, I have had, had a great time talking to you. I, I know we had set this up a few weeks ago, so you kind of mm-hmm. knew this was coming. Was there anything that you were hoping you would get a chance to talk about or to say that I just didn't give you an opening? I didn't ask you the right question that you want to share before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I think I just want to say one or two things that it's important to look at different organizations in your area and nonprofits that have to do with helping public health, whether it be a, f- a place where you can volunteer and food, like a food drive. I brought some students to do that. In Connecticut, we actually, as AmeriCorps members, went to New Haven, which is quite, quite far from Danbury. And they had the Connecticut Mission of Mercy Free Dental Clinic. So they, 1,076 patients um, got dental services for free. And there were so many people who may not be able to afford it otherwise, or may not have the right insurance or this or that. They, they were helped. And there's a lot of opportunities like that, that I think aren't always talked about. So if you're dealing with something or you would just like to help be the person that can help others, go look into your own community, because if we take care of our own communities, everything will else will take care of itself. I think. As we bring this week's episode to a close, I just want to once again say thank you to Lucas for joining me today and sharing some of his experiences working in this health education pipeline. This is the first time I've heard anyone doing that specific uh, you know, service, and I think that sounds really cool. I'm glad he is doing that and, and his uh, co-serving people. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening today, and I hope you'll join us again next time when we have another amazing guest on to chat with. As a reminder, if you are interested in becoming a service member or have any questions about service or perhaps your organization would like to become a host site, you can find information and links to follow in our show notes.